Section 18 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas and Yucatan, Volume 1, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. The road lay across a plain with a high, precipitous, and verdant wall on the left. At a distance of a league, we ascended a steep hill to the tableland of Guatemala. I regret that I cannot communicate to the reader the highest pleasure of my journey in Central America, that derived from the extraordinary beauty of scenery constantly changing. At the time, I thought this the most delightful ride I had had in the country. On the way, I overtook a man and his wife on horseback, he with a gamecock under his arm, and she with a guitar. A little boy was hidden away among bedding on a luggage mule, and four lads were with them on foot, each with a gamecock wrapped in matting, with the head and tail only visible. They were going to Guatemala to pass the Christmas holidays, and with this respectable party I entered the gate of the city on the eighth day after my departure. I found a letter from Mr. Catherwood, dated at Esquipulas, advising me that he had been robbed by his servant, taken ill, had left the ruins, gone to Don Gregorio's, and was then on his journey to Guatemala. My messenger had passed through Copan, and gone on he did not know where. I was in great distress, and resolved, after a day's rest, to set off in search of him. I dressed myself and went to a party at Senor Zebador's, formerly minister to England, where I surprised the Guatemaltecos by the tour I had made, and particularly by having come alone from Estapa. Here I met Mr. Chatfield, Her Britannic Majesty's Consul General, and Mr. Skinner, who had arrived during my absence. It was Christmas Eve, the night of El Nascimiento or birth of Christ. At one end of the sala was a raised platform with a green floor and decorated with branches of pine and cypress, having birds sitting upon them, and looking-glass and sandpaper, and figures of men and animals representing a rural scene, with an arbor and a wax doll in a cradle. In short, the grotto of Bethlehem and the infant Savior. Always at this season of the year, every house in Guatemala has its nacimiento, according to the wealth and taste of the proprietor. And in time of peace, the figure of the Savior is adorned with family jewels, pearls, and precious stones. And at night, every house is open, and the citizens, without acquaintance or invitation, or distinction of rank or persons, go from house to house visiting and the week of el nacimiento is the gayest in the year but unfortunately at this time it was observed only in form the state of the city was too uncertain to permit general opening of houses and running in the streets at night carrera's soldiers might enter the party was small but consisted of the elite of guatemala and commenced with supper after which followed dancing and i am obliged to add smoking 
the room was badly lighted and the company from the precarious state of the country not gay but the dancing was kept up till twelve o'clock when the ladies put on their mantas and we all went to the cathedral where were to be performed the imposing ceremonies of the christmas eve the floor of the church was crowded with citizens and a large concourse from the villages around mr savage accompanied me home and we did not get to bed till three o'clock in the morning the bells had done ringing and christmas mass had been said in all the churches before i awoke in the afternoon was the first bullfight of the season my friend vidauri had called for me and i was in the act of going to the plaza de toros when there was a loud knock at the porte cochere and in rode mr catherwood armed to the teeth pale and thin most happy at reaching guatemala but not half so happy as i was to see him he was in advance of his luggage but i dressed him up and carried him immediately to the plaza de toros it stands near the church of el calvario at the end of the calle real in shape and form like the roman amphitheatre about three hundred and fifty feet long and two hundred and fifty broad capable of containing as we supposed about eight thousand people at least one-fourth of the population of guatemala and was then crowded with spectators of both sexes and all classes the best and the vilest in the city sitting together indiscriminately and among them were conspicuous the broad-brimmed turned-up and sharp-pointed hat and black gown of the priest the seats commenced about ten feet above the arena with a corridor and open wood fence in front to protect the spectators astride which sat carrera's disorderly soldiers to keep order at one end underneath the corridor was a large door through which the bull was to be let in at the other end separated by a partition from the part occupied by the rest of the spectators was a large box empty formerly intended for the captain-general and other principal officers of government and now reserved for carrera underneath was a military band composed mostly of indians notwithstanding the collection of people and the expectation of an animating sport there was no clapping or stamping or other expression of impatience and anxiety for the performance to begin at length carrera entered the captain-general's box dressed in a badly fitting blue military frock-coat embroidered with gold and attended by monterosa and other officers richly dressed the alcalde and members of the municipality all eyes were turned toward him as when a king or emperor enters his box at the theatre in europe a year before he was hunted among the mountains under a reward for his body dead or alive and nine-tenths of those who now looked upon him would have shut the city against him as a robber murderer and outcast soon the matadores entered eight in number mounted and each carrying a lance and a red poncho 
they galloped around the area and stopped with their lances opposite the door at which the bull was to enter the door was pulled open by a padre a great cattle proprietor who owned the bulls of the day and the animal rushed out into the area kicking up his heels as if in play but at the sight of the line of horsemen and lances turned about and ran back quicker than he entered the padre's bull was an ox and like a sensible beast would rather run than fight but the door was closed upon him and perforce he ran around the area looking up to the spectators for mercy and below for an outlet of escape the horsemen followed prodding him with their lances and all around the area men and boys on the fence threw barbed darts with ignited fireworks attached which sticking to his flesh and exploding on every part of his body irritated him and sometimes made him turn on his pursuers the matadores led him on by flaring ponchos before him and as he pressed them the skill of the matador consisted in throwing the poncho over his horns so as to blind him and then fixing in his neck just below his jaw a sort of balloon of fireworks when this was done successfully it created shouts of applause the government in an excess of humanity had forbidden the killing of bulls and restricted the fight to worrying and torturing consequently it was entirely different from the bullfight in spain and wanted even the exciting interest of a fierce struggle for life and the chance of the matador being gored to death or tossed over among the spectators but watching the earnest gaze of thousands it was easy to imagine the intense excitement in a martial age when gladiators fought in the arena before the nobility and beauty of rome our poor ox after being tired out was allowed to withdraw others followed and went through the same round all the padre's bulls were oxen sometimes a matador on foot was chased to the fence under a general laugh of the spectators after the last ox had run his rounds the matadors withdrew and men and boys jumped over into the arena in such numbers that they fairly hustled the ox the noise and confusion the flaring of colored ponchos the running and tumbling attacking and retreating and clouds of dust made this the most stirring scene of any but altogether it was a puerile exhibition and the better classes among whom was my fair countrywoman regarded it merely as an occasion for meeting acquaintances in the evening we went to the theatre which opened for the first time a large building had been commenced in the city but in one of the revolutions it had been demolished and the work was abandoned the performance was in the courtyard of a house the stage was erected across one of the corners the patio was the pit and the corridor was divided by temporary partitions into boxes the audience sent beforehand or servants brought with them their own seats we had invitations to the box of senor vidauri carrera was there sitting on a bench a little elevated against the wall of the house 
and at the right hand of rivera paz the chief of the state some of his officers were with him in their showy uniforms but he had laid his aside and had on his black bombacet jacket and pantaloons and was very unpretending in his deportment i considered him the greatest man in guatemala and made it a point to shake hands with him in passing the first piece was saige a tragedy the company consisted entirely of guatemaltecos and their performance was very good there was no change of scenery when the curtain fell all lighted cigars ladies included and fortunately there was an open courtyard for the escape of the smoke when the performance was over the boxes waited till the pit was emptied special care had been taken in placing sentinels and all went home quietly during the week there was an attempt at gaiety but all was more or less blended with religious solemnities one was that of the novena or term of nine days praying to the virgin one lady who was distinguished for the observance of this term had an altar built across the whole end of the sala with three steps decorated with flowers and a platform adorned with looking-glasses pictures and figures in the centre of which was an image of the virgin richly dressed the whole ornamented in a way impossible for me to describe but that may be imagined in a place where natural flowers are in the greatest profusion and artificial ones made more perfect than in europe and where the ladies have extraordinary taste in the disposition of them when i entered the gentlemen were in an ante-room with hats canes and small swords and in the sala the ladies with female servants cleanly dressed were on their knees praying in front of the fairy altar was one who seemed a fairy herself and while her lips moved her bright eye was roving and she looked more worthy of being kneeled to than the pretty image before her and as if she thought so too in regard to my official business i was perfectly at a loss what to do in guatemala all were on one side all said that there was no federal government and mr chatfield the british consul general whose opinion i respected more concurred and had published a circular denying its existence but the federal government claimed to be in existence and the bare suggestion of general morazan's marching against guatemala excited consternation several times there were rumors to that effect and one that he had actually determined to do so that not a single priest would be spared and that the streets would run with blood the boldest partisans trembled for their lives morazan had never been beaten carrera had always run before him they had no faith in his being able to defend them and could not defend themselves at all events i had as yet heard only one side and did not consider myself justified in assuming that there was no government i was bound to make diligent search 
and then I might return in legal phrase, sepi corpus, or non est inventus, according to circumstances. For this purpose I determined to go to San Salvador, which was formerly, and still claimed to be, the capital of the Confederation, and the seat of the Federal Government, or rather to Cojutepeque, to which place the Government had been then lately transferred, on account of earthquakes at San Salvador. The project was not without its difficulties. One Rascon, with an insurgent and predatory band, occupied an intervening district of the country, acknowledging neither party, and fighting under his own flag. Mr. Chatfield and Mr. Skinner had come by sea, a circuitous route, to avoid him, and Captain de Novelle, master of a French ship lying at the port of San Salvador, arrived in Guatemala almost on a run, having ridden sixty miles the last day over a mountainous country, who reported horrible atrocities, and three men murdered near San Vicente, on their way to the fair at Esquipulas, and their faces so disfigured that they could not be recognized. Immediately on his arrival, he sent a courier to order his ship up to Estapa, merely to take him back and save him from returning by land. I had signified my intention to the state government, which was dissatisfied with my going to San Salvador at all, but offered me an escort of soldiers, suggesting, however, that if we met any of Morazan's, there would certainly be a fight. This was not at all pleasant. I was loath to travel a third time the road to Estapa, but under the circumstances accepted Captain de Novelle's invitation to take a passage in his ship. Meanwhile, I passed my time in social visiting. In our own city, the aristocracy is called by the diplomatic corps at Washington the aristocracy of streets. In Guatemala, it is the aristocracy of houses, as certain families live in the houses built by their fathers at the foundation of the city, and they are really aristocratic old mansions. These families, by reason of certain monopolies of importation, acquired under the Spanish dominion immense wealth and rank as merchant princes. Still, they were excluded from all offices and all part in the government. At the time of the revolution, one of these families was noble, with the rank of marquisate, and its head tore off the insignia of his rank and joined the revolutionary party. Next in position to the officers of the crown, they thought that, emancipated from the yoke of Spain, they would have the government in their own hands, and so they had, but it was only for a short time the principles of equal rights began to be understood, and they were put aside. For ten years they had been in obscurity, but accidentally they were again in power, and at the time of my visit, ruled in social as well as political life. I do not wish to speak harshly of them, for they were the only people who constituted society. My intercourse was almost exclusively with them. My fair countrywoman was one of them. I am indebted to them for much kindness. And besides, they are personally 
amiable. But I speak of them as public men. I did not sympathize with them in politics. To me, the position of the country seemed most critical, and from a cause which in all Spanish America had never operated before. At the time of the first invasion, a few hundred Spaniards, by superior bravery and skill, and with more formidable arms, had conquered the whole Indian population. Naturally peaceable and kept without arms, the conquered people had remained quiet and submissive during the three centuries of Spanish dominion. In the civil wars following the independence, they had borne but a subordinate part and down to the time of Carrera's rising, they were entirely ignorant of their own physical strength. But this fearful discovery had now been made. The Indians constituted three-fourths of the inhabitants of Guatemala, were the hereditary owners of the soil, for the first time since they fell under the dominion of the whites, were organized and armed under a chief of their own, who chose for the moment to sustain the central party. I did not sympathize with that party, for I believed that in their hatred of the liberals they were courting a third power that might destroy them both, consorting with a wild animal which might at any moment turn and rend them in pieces. I believed that they were playing upon the ignorance and prejudices of the Indians and through the priests upon their religious fanaticism, amusing them with feats and church ceremonies, persuading them that the liberals aimed at a demolition of churches, destruction of the priests, and hurrying back the country into darkness. And in the general heaving of the elements, there was not a man of nerve enough among them, with the influence of name and station, to rally round him the strong and honest men of the country, reorganize the shattered republic, and save them from the disgrace and danger of truckling to an ignorant, uneducated Indian boy. Such were my sentiments. Of course I avoided expressing them, but because I did not denounce their opponents, some looked coldly upon me. With them, political differences severed all ties. Our worst party abuse is moderate and mild compared with the terms in which they speak of each other. We seldom do more than call men ignorant, incompetent, dishonest, dishonorable, false, corrupt, subverters of the Constitution, and bought with British gold. There, a political opponent is a robber, an assassin. It is praise to admit that he is not a bloodthirsty cutthroat. We complain that our ears are constantly offended and our passions roused by angry political discussions. There it would have been delightful to hear a good, honest, hot, and angry political dispute. I traveled in every state, and I never heard one for I never met two men together who differed in political opinions. Defeated partisans are shot, banished, run away, or get a moral lockjaw, 
and never dare express their opinions before one of the dominant party we have just passed through a violent political struggle twenty millions of people have been divided against man to man friend against friend neighbor against neighbor brother against brother and son against father besides honest differences of opinion ambition want and lust of power and office have roused passions sometimes to fierceness two millions of men highly excited have spoken out their thoughts and sentiments fearlessly and openly they have all been counted and the first rule in arithmetic has decided between them and the defeated party are still permitted to live in the country their wives and children are spared nay more they may grumble in the streets and hang out their banners of defiance of continued and determined opposition and more than all the pillars of the republic are not shaken among a million of disappointed men never with all the infirmities of human passion has one breathed resistance to the constitution and laws the world has never presented such a spectacle such a proof of the capacity of the people for self-government long may it continue may the tongue wither that dares preach resistance to the ballot boxes and may the moral influence of our example reach our distracted sister republics staying the sword of persecution in the hands of victors and crushing the spirit of revolution in a defeated party january first eighteen forty this day so full of home associations snow and red noses and blue lips out of doors and blazing fires and beauteous faces within opened in guatemala like a morning in spring the sun seemed rejoicing in the beauty of the land it shone upon the flowers were blooming in the courtyards and the mountains visible above the tops of the houses were smiling in verdure the bells of thirty-eight churches and convents proclaimed the coming of another year the shops were shut as on a sunday there was no market in the plaza gentlemen well dressed and ladies in black mantas were crossing it to attend grand mass in the cathedral mozart's music swelled through the aisles a priest in a strange tongue proclaimed morality religion and love of country the floor of the church was thronged with whites mestizos and indians on a high bench opposite the pulpit sat the chief of the state and by his side carrera again dressed in his rich uniform i leaned against a pillar opposite and watched his face and if i read him right he had forgotten war and the stains of blood upon his hands and his very soul was filled with fanatic enthusiasm exactly as the priests would have him i did verily believe that he was honest in his impulses and would do right if he knew how they who undertake to guide him have a fearful responsibility the service ended a way was cleared through the crowd carrera accompanied by the priests and the chief of the state awkward in his movements with his eyes fixed on the ground 
or with furtive glances as if ill at ease in being an object of so much attention walked down the aisle a thousand ferocious-looking soldiers were drawn up before the door a wild burst of music greeted him and the faces of the men glowed with devotion to their chief a broad banner was unfurled with stripes of black and red a device of a death's head and legs in the centre and on one side the words viva la religion and on the other paz o muerte a los liberales carrera placed himself at their head and with rivera paz by his side and the fearful banner floating in the air and wild and thrilling music and the stillness of death around they escorted the chief of state to his house how different from new year's day at home fanatic as i knew the people to be in religion and violent in political animosities i did not believe that such an outrage would be countenanced as flaunting in the plaza of the capital a banner linking together the support of religion and the death or submission of the liberal party afterward in a conversation with the chief of the state i referred to this banner he had not noticed it but thought that the last clause was paz o muerte a los que no lo quieren to those who do not wish it this does not alter its atrocious character and only adds to fanaticism what it takes from party spirit i think however that i am right for on the return of the soldiers to the plaza mr c and i followed it till as we thought the standard-bearer contracted its folds expressly to hide it and some of the officers looked at us so suspiciously that we withdrew for the sake of home associations i called on my fair countrywoman dined at mr hall's and in the afternoon went to the cockpit a large circular building handsomely proportioned with a high seat for the judges who rang a bell as a signal for the fight when commenced a clamor i offer five dollars i offer twenty etc and i am happy to say that in this crowded den i saw but one man whom i had ever seen before from there i went to the bullfight and then to the theater the reader will admit that i made a brilliant beginning to the year eighteen forty End of section 18.